Hello and welcome to Entrepreneurship Policy Pulse, a podcast by the Faith Institute of Faith Foundation. Our conversations would revolve around Nigeria's entrepreneurship ecosystem, touching on key thematic areas and preferring policy recommendations. This podcast would feature researchers, policy influencers and stakeholders within Nigeria's entrepreneurship ecosystem. My name is Amaka Wokolo. I head the Faith Institute. And you might be asking why the Entrepreneurship Policy Pulse podcast? The Entrepreneurship Policy Pulse podcast was birthed as a platform to exchange ideas and strategies that would enable entrepreneurship in Nigeria using data and insights. Now, today we're going to be discussing a very crucial topic, um, focusing on priorities for the Nigerian entrepreneurship ecosystem. And this theme or topic is important because of the peculiarity of the times we're in. And by that, I'm referring to the fact that we're looking forward to welcoming a new government in a couple of weeks, literally. Um, Joining me to discuss this theme is none other than someone I'm very excited to introduce, um, the Executive Director of Faith Foundation, Adenike Adeyemi. She's also my boss. Hi. (laughs) Adenike has over 20 years experience working to develop and implements innovative programs and high-impact policies for nano, micro, and small and medium enterprises in Nigeria and with specific focus on young people. Thank you so much for joining us Thank today. Thank you, Amma. I'm so welcome. excited to be here. Very yes, excited. Yes, yes, yes. So my very first question to you will be, why did you or why did we think of Entrepreneurship Policy Pulse? Honestly, I think this is something we should probably have started a few years ago. I agree. Um, But we've been having a lot of this conversation. So at the Faith Institute, uh, like you introduced earlier... um, we we do a lot of research and data insights, which we then yes. share with the ecosystem yes. and with people who are either designing and implementing policies or advocating for them, or those who are developing programs that support yeah. uh, Nigerian entrepreneurs. Right. And we've been having these conversations either at our workshops or at our Correct. policy dialogues yes. or at other forums like the uh, yes. NESGMS Income to Your Practice. And we just thought that, you know what, it's these conversations, we need to also expand them to a wider audience. Mm-hmm. There are quite a lot of things happening. True. Like you said, the timeline is really spot on. Yes. Um, but more than ever, it's the role of entrepreneurs in driving the entrepreneurship ecosystem, their potential impact in helping to improve productivity, mm-hmm. um, their role in creating jobs. Um, mm-hmm. MSMEs create over 75% of the jobs in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And sort of this GDP. Exactly which is still largely untapped. So whether in the informal sector or in the formal sector, and that despite the challenges of the operating environment, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people that are running small and green businesses in Nigeria are still doing it a lot despite. Mm. And so we hope that in these conversations, you know, it's uh, to energize and engage um, continued collective action Mm. on what are the policies in place, mm-hmm. um, what are the potentials for those policies to be enhanced if required, or are there new policies, but also even to inform 
Um, how do right. we inform people of what also exists? Either That's inform happening. them as entrepreneurs or inf- inform them as people. Um, and at the end of the day, it's to be able to share insights, share information, share knowledge right. on what's working and why, what's not working and what we can all do about it. And I think continue to even support and enable our work. So I'm really excited and honored. That I I'm am excited. Guest, thank you for I having me. I feel like me. I feel like we need to give you a round of applause after that <laughs> very detailed introduction, and thank you for sharing that. Um, so we're just going to deep into the or jump into the deep end, so I'm to speak, mm-hmm. and start off by looking at the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Nigeria. And in a way, just looking at um, what has happened over the past eight years, Mm. right? Um, We're looking to welcome a new government in Mm. a couple of weeks. And we've had the existing or exiting, almost exiting government being in power for about eight years now. Um, So let's discuss that. What has... What ha- what would we describe as challenges or opportunities? What have we seen over the past eight years from mm. your from your perspective? I mean, I could chip in, but <laughs> from your perspective, yeah, I, w- I would love this to be a conversation between ourselves because right. even the eight years is also significant for us. Yes, we also is. started on this path eight years okay. ago, Georgia. and why did we start on it? We'd been running at Fate for about 15, 16 years. We had a wide range of entrepreneurs across quite a couple of states, and we were seen that beyond the support we gave, give them through our faith school, through capacity building, mentoring, access to funding, resources, and all of that, there were still challenges within the enabling environment for mm. them to exist. And mm-hmm. so the help we could give them only went so far. And coincidentally, even the administration that has come on to came in about that time. So the administration that is exiting now, um, we have about 40 plus million uh, micro, small and medium enterprises across Nigeria. Nigeria. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are still very low growth businesses at the nano and the micro space. Um, As from our State of Entrepreneurship in Nigeria report um, last year that that your team led and launched, um, we have a large number of those entrepreneurs as young people. That's true. 7%. We also have an increasingly larger number of women that are also running businesses. Um, And so it is really exciting and still is still severely untapped as as we also see in the research. And I'm sure at some point later on in this series, you'll discuss it. And so for us, it's that... Um, as with this current administration and past administration, and, and let's also not forget that when we say administration, we're speaking both at the federal and the subnational level. Um, I think the one thing that is clear and consistent across all governments is they understand the importance of micro, small and medium enterprises in the engine. So if you see most of the manifesto, the speeches, you'll always say, OK, they're the growth engine of the economy. Mm-hmm. But when you have a car and an engine, what's the thing you do, Right. You make sure that the engine is checked, it is serviced, um, that you have the right engine, it's oiled well as required, you bring in the experts. Because if you don't do that, the car will, as they say, knock. (laughs) (laughs) The engine will knock. And I think that's the work that we've been trying to do. Mm -hmm. Not just us as ourselves, but others working with a lot of other partners. And so... The ecosystem, um, as with most other entrepreneurial ecosystem, has first of the policy and the regulatory space. So those who are ensuring that policies are being done and being compliant. So whether at the federal level where um, you have the small and medium enterprise development agency of Nigeria, who is sort of like the 
the support agency to enable them. Um, And then they sit under the Federal Ministry of Industry, Trade and Investment. And then obviously you have also um, one of the things that was set up by this um, administration Mm. was the... um, was the PEBEC uh, Presidential Enabling Business Environment Committee Council, Council, Mm -hmm. which then set up the ease of business business environment environment secretariat Secretariat, headed by Dr. Jamal Duwali. And one of the things they've then been doing is things around increasing and improving the regulatory environment, Mm -hmm. allowing spaces and opportunities for the agencies to sit with each other and exchange with that. So you have that. And then even from, so that's mostly around the executive level, but from a legislative point, we've also seen some of the recent bills. So the Nigerian Startup Bill has been warmly welcomed, very well received. The approach to even that was quite collective and sort of an inclusive. And yes, and it was a marker for, you know, how other bills probably also can evolve and learn from that. Um, So you have that, and that is also replicated at at several state levels. And then you then have the last part, obviously, from a regulatory space, which we can also talk about later, is also... um, bodies that enforce compliance, whether from mm. a tax perspective, so the Federal mm. Inland Revenue Service or the state's uh, revenue services, mm-hmm. and then all the other agencies with that. And then on the other angle, and we define this in our um, um, entrepreneurship ecosystem mapping study, you then have those who enable and support entrepreneurs directly, either through capacity building programs, mm-hmm. business development service providers, mm-hmm. those who provide access to resources, information, or those even who provide access to funding markets right. in different ways. Right. So that really is sort of like the overarching Um, support infrastructure for the ecosystem. And what we've seen over the last eight years is that, yes, we see government playing in different ways um, to, in their own perspective, also try to review and or enhance policies to be able to do that. Mm. But unfortunately, on the backdrop of the macroeconomic environment that Mm. we are in, Mm. um, we've also had a very challenging macroeconomic trajectory And even the outlook right now is is not exactly very strong, but it's not just um, to Nigeria, Nigeria, but, you know, across the world. And at the end of the day, when you speak with a lot of businesses, even when they understand that the economic environment is challenging, what a lot of our businesses, what a lot of businesses in Nigeria, a lot of entrepreneurs in Nigeria really ask for is for an easier environment that Mm. allows them to start Mm. and operate their businesses. Mm. A lot of entrepreneurs we engage, we do want to be compliant, but they Mm. want to understand what they're complying to, Mm. how they should go about the compliance and the process so that they can run their businesses, they can generate revenue for their businesses, they can employ staff, pay them, um, Mm. and and the like. So um, we've also seen quite a number of executive orders that have come in, in addition to that, also for certain things that may not be enhanced. And I guess the last, but recently, one of the probably the most significant things that has also happened will be the um, the omnibus bill that was recently yes. passed, yes. Um, which was passed about a few weeks ago. Yes. And if you then look at really the purpose of the omnibus bill, it's really supposed to create an overarching um, legislative guidance across different, and framework, yes, across different 
um, different agencies um, that directly and indirect the way micro, small and medium businesses and all businesses in Nigeria operate. So whether in terms of improving and ensuring efficiency in service delivery, streamlining time, streamlining costs, uh, making things more outdated, but also even taking away extant or outdated laws that, you know, are also not relevant to that. So we're hoping to see a bit more of that as we're transitioning now. Yes, I, you know, I couldn't agree more. And I like the points you made around um, the resilience of, mm-hmm. of Nigerian businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so businesses growing despite everything that's happened within the ecosystem. And so that brings me to my next point, which, which in a way is an excerpt from our State of Entrepreneurship report, where... Um, this report that we've put out two times in a row now showed that perception of opportunities ranks the highest. It ranks the highest on our on our um, uh, index, right? And enabling environment, um, you know, right. consistently the ranks yeah. the lowest, right? Mm-hmm. But I think to your point, um, it's it's a very what's the word? It's testament to the strength of the Nigerian. Entrepreneurs, and I was wondering if you could speak a bit more to that, um, and what we are seeing, particularly from the index. Honestly, that's I, I love to. I would love to answer that question. When people ask me what I enjoy the most about the work that we do, I yeah. would always say that the spirit of resilience hmm. for the entrepreneurs we work with. And um, I, I know some other countries have this problem of trying to encourage yeah, we don't, their we don't citizens to be entrepreneurial. <laughs> that is not a Nigerian problem. You know, I remember when we had the conversation with Startup Chile. <laughs> yes. and it felt a yes. little strange I to did. us. When they're trying to foster entrepreneurship culture, I'm like, yes. yeah, let Nigerians teach entrepreneurship culture. <laughs> yes. um, and, and I think that that's the thing, right? That despite the odds, we're even seeing more people going to start tapping a business, tapping mm. entrepreneurial opportunities. Mm. And we're seeing more people, whether younger people, whether old people, people. even now, I mean, just um, a few hours ago, we're having a conversation on people that are transitioning yes. uh, from full-played employment for years who had mm. also tried transitioning to entrepreneurship. And you can look at it in different dynamics, whether it's the dynamic of people just being able to have alternative alternate income generating sources yeah. um, for that. That's number one. Um, and again, in times like this, you know, everybody wants to have as many multiple income streams as they like. But also the fact that people are also identifying opportunities that can also have other socioeconomic impact Perfect. too. Mm-hmm. So, and that is, if you see a lot of young people and women, we also see that they're building businesses and ideating to solve challenges within the space. So whether from the food to fork value chain, Mm. whether opportunities within the creative ecosystem as a whole, whether even opportunities to even um, provide and contribute and enhance the education or health ecosystem. So we're also seeing quite a lot of that. And so, I mean, we were not surprised. It it was good to to be validated from what we perceived um, to see that in the outcome of our report that perception of opportunities is still high. Mm. It would be interesting to see what What that this year with all that has happened in the space, Mm -hmm. with uh, the additional challenges from the political economy space, from some of the things like the cashless policy that and the new Naira notes and, and all the attention 
unintended effect that has had. So it'll be interesting to see if perception of opportunities still rank high. Um, but unfortunate again to see how low um, the enabling environment, and that has been a consistent theme. Um, sometimes I also do feel sorry for sort of like the public sector because I know there's a lot of work, work going on. that has been Correct. going on. Um, some states even more than the others, as mm-hmm. we've also seen from the insights and the report. But at the end of the day, um, what people want to say and what they want to see, and we get that from all our stakeholder sessions, is that when bills are passed, when policies are made, when programs are enhanced, um, if people don't feel it, if people mm. don't feel the impact directly yeah. on the street, it's not working. Exactly. And I think that those are the conversations we need to have to say that uh, what well, we need to continue to have that, you know, how can we continue to look at better uh policy-making processes mm. that put the entrepreneurs at the center. So a design mm. thinking approach at the design, the and center. And how do we learn and are agile mm. to amend those policies as required mm. so that they have the impact that they should be having. And then in addition, implementation mm-hmm. and in addition, yes. monitoring, evaluating yes. consistently. Yes. So it's a yes. cycle. It, it is a cycle because um, even the entrepreneurship ecosystem that Faith came into when we started yes. in 2000 has significantly evolved. Has. Um, people Very are starting true. entrepreneurship much younger. So mm-hmm. even we from had secondary to, school. from secondary school, <laughs> you know, for, for about 12, 14 years when we started, um, we did our programs with people starting from tertiary institutions, mm. but we we then realized in our 15th to 16th year that most people coming into our programs, our yeah. pre-incubation programs, had already started their programs. So I started running their, as, as late teenagers yes. and also in school. And yes, some of it was also to be able to earn extra income, mm. to be able to pay their school fees and the like. But others because they also identified opportunities. So, you know, understanding that even that policy has to understand supporting young people, young, young people, people that don't yes. have income. Young people, if you yes. look at some of our older alums, before they went into business, they probably worked for four, five, six years. Mm-hmm. Now we're having people who are starting businesses and launching ventures mm-hmm. from first or second year university. So you, the, the policy environment always has to adapt with and evolve. Um, what always happens sometimes is that regulation sort of comes after right? That's true. Um, you, you have a space change and with that, but that's not the excuse. Mm. And particularly when we say that we know we have a highly entrepreneurial environment, people are always looking yeah. for opportunities. So how do we create that? And at the end of the day, it is that it is of value to our country. Mm. Mm. Because if we have a very productive um, MSME group and population, yes. in our revenue challenge now, where should be the majority of our income as a country from? Mm. Right? It's that. Mm-hmm. If you're having businesses who have the platform and the environment that enables and enhances their viability, we are then improving the productive capacity of our country, yeah. nationally and subnational. Yeah. So it's a win-win it is. at the end of the day. Really that's really what, what we want to see. And what we will continue to drive for. Yes. Um, so speaking about states, you talked about how we're seeing or how entrepreneurship dynamics sort of differs across states, right? Um, when we look at the index from the State of Entrepreneurship Reports, it's interesting how um, certain states sort of ranked in the top 10, and I'm just focusing on the top 10, um, when I look at the State of Entrepreneurship Report 2021, yeah. 2022, mm-hmm. and more recently, the Ease of Doing Business Report that yes. was put out, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's interesting how we see, we, we sort of see some alignments in the states that emerge. Interestingly, 
<laughs> Lagos State, which is, you know, perceived to be the commercial nerve center of Nigeria, is, is not in the top 10 for all three reports. Mm-hmm. And so my question is to you is, what, what are we seeing? What, what's the implication of this? Are there shifts that we're seeing? Um, because the, the thing about data is that data shows you what exists. It's, it's not based on perception now. It's what's obtainable in the field. And if this is what we're seeing, what improvements are we seeing occur in the ecosystem? What shifts are we seeing take place within the ecosystem yes so i mean we did we started with the state level breakdown to then say that you know everything that happens really is driven at the subnational level and what the indexes those five indexes now broken down along states Mm. give us even with the ranking was also so that we can provide better, like you said, with insights, we can then provide guidance. And the states also are then able to say, okay, these policies and programs that we're doing, we're seeing that is working. Right. So first off, um, if you look at a lot of our top 10 states, you know, mm-hmm. um, we're seeing states, for instance, like Abia and Imo, mm-hmm. um, and even across the two years, so for instance, like Edo, Kwara, Kaduna, um, states that have done a lot of investments mm-hmm in setting up vehicles and in setting up um, agencies and programs, mm-hmm. particularly for nano and micro businesses, but right. across our sectoral and value chain areas. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the learning points to say that even as a state, you have to say, you know, where is our competitive advantage? advantage. Where we've seen a lot yes. of our nano and micro entrepreneurs. And I, we emphasize on nano and micro quite a lot because they make the majority of that. And we want to help them to grow to be small and medium. Mm-hmm. Um, how are states also looking at intervention policies and programs mm. that are focused along value chains, um, along certain industries, creating clusters, mm. creating support um, programs and structures that de-risk the challenges they have. Mm. So, for instance, one of the things, and well, I'll pick out even a state, for instance, like Edo, who um, about three, four, five years, four, five years ago, um, created um, like MSME clusters, production mm. clusters, because of challenges around power, yeah. around infrastructure, right. around access to market. Right. And that's also something we saw across some of these other states that are in the top 10, right. where you create um, spaces and uh, spaces where entrepreneurs from particular value chain are able to access their raw materials, mm-hmm. they're able to produce because there's power there. And exactly. other people who are then able to trade and buy from them or with them or through them mm-hmm. also are able to come there. And so there are lessons to be learned around how do we direct the issues that entrepreneurs face that are environment space, so infrastructure, logistics, power, mm-hmm. and even more recently, digital infrastructure, which we we'll yes. probably will be exploring a bit later this year. Yes. How do you pull that access to them? And when you then see that, you then see that that translates into wider systemic impact mm-hmm. um, with, with that. Now, for why Lagos is not in the top 10, even Lagos State has asked us, <laughs> is asking us why they're not in the top 10. I think that part of the things around having a commercial center and a state such as Lagos is that, um, first of all, the, the benefits, the, the yes. commercial capital, yes. commercial city most large corporates Mm -hmm. are domiciled here Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of activity that happens here Mm -hmm. but what then happens probably is also that there are quite a lot of um, so they're they're 
probably more challenged with balancing a lot of regulatory and compliance needs than some other states who are also just um, capturing um, or sort of like running towards that. But we know that, you know, we've had some conversations at the state level because they also want to understand what are the things and the areas with which they can better improve on. And hopefully um, in this new second transition or dispensation, they would also work to that. But we do have to also say that in our report for the access to finance report, when we Mm -hmm. did the analysis, of um, what some of, at subnational level, what was happening yeah. for access to finance, Lagos State really came yeah, top mm-hmm. because of the Lagos State Employment Trust Fund and creating a financing vehicle yes. that understands the peculiarities of micro, small and medium enterprises. But to your point, they've also consistently um, provided an assessment and even mm-hmm. engaged stakeholders to understand, okay, what are the different types of funding structures mm-hmm. um, that work? Why is it working? What are the segments, whether from a sector, demographic, or even location yes. that, you know, that are being affected with the way the funding programs are designed and then revisioning for that. So, yeah, the yeah. LST have a really a beautiful example, a model. Um, for funding at a subnational level that has been effective. So so they're really, it's very exciting to talk about them and they're like families. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now on the back of all of this, let's now talk about the new government that we're yes. looking to welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, off the top of your head, what will be the entrepreneurial priorities you would like to discuss and share and recommend that the new government pays attention to? Um, and then from your answer, we can unpack that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So for me, the top priorities will be around three three to four buckets. Mm. I think first is really continue to build on the gains that has been made by Pebec. Continuity. Um, right. and, but, and then one around implementation, mm. really streamlining the regulatory and compliance process across key agencies okay. um, and also taking advantage of technology. And we've seen that. So now yes. it's more easier to register on Online. CAC mm-hmm. for your business. Even NAFDAQ's processes, for instance, um, for those that don't know, NAFDAQ is the National Agency for Food, Drug and Administration and Control. Control. And if you're doing anything with processing or production or manufacturing within the food and health space, you need NAFDAQ certification. And so just that handshake across agencies so that mm. if I am registering my business, my product, um, whether with CAC, NAFDAQ, SON, um, some of the standard information is seen seamless. across the agency. It is seamless. seamless. Mm-hmm. It is simple. It is straightforward. Yes. And I think that that's the number one thing that a lot of businesses Struggle want with. to see. And for us, it's really a priority. Yeah. The second thing which you know, it's, it's, it's on your heart. It's something that you also is a priority for you for the Faith Institute for this year is also around taxation and really just streamlining and harmonizing the tax process. Mm -hmm. We do know that, you know, obviously taxes, and we want it to be a win-win, right? And so we know that quite a lot of our entrepreneurs who want to grow and build want to be compliant within the space. Um, But there are too many taxes um, a lot of times, there are too many taxes, there are too many levies. Depending on what states that you're operating, it yeah. can be higher. We know that we've, we've done through our informal studies by some of our partners, sometimes they're between 44 to over 70, 70. taxes and levies that yes. um, businesses across different regions and locations will pay in different forms. Most of them are even through to nameless agencies and, and just really very punitive in their, their nature. And I think that for the, at the federal level, and at 
the state level, that issue has to be addressed. And we always yes. say it simply. People just want to be able to pay tax, you know, mm-hmm. in a simple, efficient way. So mm-hmm. harmonizing that, getting the joint tax board to work at the federal level, the state level, local level also in particular, yes. um, on, on streamlining that. So I think that that's number two. Um, number three will then be expanding the potential opportunities right. that Nigeria as a competitive advantage um, um, can bring for people who are running businesses within Nigeria. And the key priority will be around access to markets. Mm. We've seen the opportunities yep. within, um, within. so even if you look externally, opportunities like with the AFCFTA mm-hmm. um, that was launched uh, about two years ago. So important, um, an important priority, particularly at the federal government, will be around domesticating yes. this policy at the federal level, them down across the different sectoral advantages and really providing pipeline opportunities for a lot of our small and medium enterprises to be able to take advantage of them. Mm -hmm. But then the third angle to that is that part of the challenges around local access to markets is the infrastructural uh, challenges. So whether it's the road networks or whether it's even power and digital infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So again, with, um, with states now being able to create their own independent power Power, um, power, power mechanisms. Hopefully, that will be better because people do yes. pay. People do pay for power yes. in so many different ways and are willing to pay to a large extent. So, really, also resolving those infrastructural challenges for power, for roads, and also digital infrastructure mm-hmm. are important. So, those will be um, where 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 I top sit, where we sit at top three power. Um, so, into improving the business around around regulations, around taxation, mm-hmm. and also around access to markets and the other attendance challenges. I, I think those are key. Those are that's a good start. You know, there are a myriad of issues and challenges within the ecosystem. But if we can start with this, yeah. I think we can make significant Definitely, impact. because when you even talk about access to finance as a challenge, mm. and one of the things that a lot of uh, entrepreneurs would always say is that if you look at what it takes me to set up, run and sustain this business with all the levies I have to pay, yes. that's number one. Then who am I selling to? How do exactly. I generate revenue if I'm not also able to efficiently expand my market without all the other challenges and bottlenecks that are in my way to be able to do that? Right. And so those would actually go a long way to then say, for all the things that are outside of your entrepreneur's control, how can the government work to add and what should the government be doing? Mm. Because if that's done, then government does not always need and should not even be focusing around. I'm not saying government should not provide (laughs) financing. Mm -hmm. I think part of also what you want to create is a financing system that evolves even from the private sector, development sector on its own, Mm -hmm. without government necessarily always needing to provide intervention funds, except in an issue of emergencies or like the COVID and all Mm -hmm. of that will be. So um, just to bring this to a close, because we're almost out of time, um, I really like the way you sort of lumped the key issues or the recommendations. The question and in wrapping up would be to say, how would you suggest that the government address these three focus areas? Mm. Um, So it's speaking around the how now, because sometimes the government is willing and but they don't they're also willing. know they're we willing, you know, but they're not experts within the space. We are in the space, we're on the ground, you know. So how do we, how would we recommend that they address some of these areas? Yeah, and, and that's a perfect closeout question. And it speaks to one of the things you had mentioned before, 
the how is learning from the past. Mm. We have done so many programs, funding mm. programs, policy programs, intervention programs. Look back to look forward. Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. <laughs> right. And we have, it's just that the data may not have been intentionally collected Over for time. that purpose. But before you go to start drive, designing or launching new programs, how can you learn from and examine the existing programs. Mm. A good example is all the, we do have different funding interventions. In fact, 2020, 2021, we saw quite a number of them. them. Mm -hmm. So what are we learning from the, from the process, from the design, Mm. the process, um, and even for some of those funds that were loans, the repayment process, how is that informing, you know, how we should look to redesigning mm. funding process or even sharing that knowledge with others who are designing large scale mm. funding programs from mm. that. So that for me is number one. And then again, like I said, is implementation. Right. And so looking at a lot of the executive orders, a lot of the omnibus bill that has been recently passed, even some of the other um provisions that have been made. So the movable asset collateral registry, registry, um, some of the initiatives that have been implemented, um, that are supposed to have been implemented, how full and how well have they been implemented? Do we need to do that a bit more for that? I think that um, that needs to be a priority. And then number three will be definitely engaging with MSME stakeholders stakeholders groups and advocacy groups that Mm. represent that champion the needs of those who are running and building businesses in Nigeria because there's a lot of feedback. And I think what happens sometimes is that things are happening on either ends and communication is not happening, feedback is not happening because... Um, why do town halls work? You know, mm. they give you a pulse of what's mm. happening on the streets and whether I, I, the intention of a policy or program is it achieving the desired impact or not. Mm. We're such as a, at a crucial time we in are. our country we that we cannot afford to strategically invest in uh, those who are building businesses and are the engine Mm. of the economy. So going back to our analogy again, how well is that engine performing? What Mm. does it need? Does it need an oil change or Mm. a complete overall? Mm. Um, Is the car that is even carrying it sufficient to be able to move it? Um, But that's it. And and like the world also, last that I would also round up is that there's such a diverse ecosystem. It is. You know, um, even for us, it's very multi-layered. It's complex to some extent. Um, The dynamics across demographics, so gender, Mm -hmm. age, the youth, the dynamics across um, regions. So what's happening? Even in Lagos, in some of our programs, we know that depending on where the participants are from, it it evolves, right? So, and the dynamics across value chains, across sectors. And I think understanding that it's never a one approach to fit all. Mm -hmm. And you're then saying, how are we designing for, what are we designing for? How Mm -hmm. are we designing for them? What are Mm -hmm. we learning from? And how do we, how do we align our overall country strategy plans and goals with the design and then, you know, um, seeing, seeing what to work and what can be improved on. And on that note is a wrap. I feel like we could go on talking and chatting and discussing more about the Nigerian entrepreneurship ecosystem. But thankfully, the Entrepreneurship Policy Pulse is here to have other conversations similar to what we're having today. But thank you so much I'm so for sharing. <laughs> it's been amazing hanging with you. <laughs> 
with my able boss. Thank you. I hope you invite me again. <laughs> oh yes, definitely. <laughs> I, I kind of don't have a choice. I only have you too, please. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing all thank of you that for um, with us. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Entrepreneurship Policy Pulse by the Faith Institute of Faith Foundation. My name is Abaka Wokolo. I am the host. And with me speaking has been Adenike Adeyemi, the Executive Director of Faith Foundation. Thank you and looking forward to having you with us again. Bye for now.